having an accurate and complete inventory, knowing what your scope one and two emissions are, knowing what um, fuels you're using, know how big your footprint is, know where all your sites are. These are seemingly simple questions, but uh, once you put pen to paper, it can be um, an incredibly daunting task. Hello, and welcome back to Active Energy, a podcast from Schneider Electric Energy and Sustainability Services. Active Energy is a podcast featuring conversations shaping the future of energy. The Climate Disclosure Project, or CDP, recently released their scores. Along with this release comes the realization that companies will need to start preparing for the 2020 response cycle. On today's podcast, we're joined by Anna Pierce, Manager of Sustainability, and Lewis Christopher, Sustainability Specialist of Schneider Electric's Energy and Sustainability Services. They take a look back at last year's reporting cycle and look ahead for what companies can expect in 2020. So what a treat it is to be here today. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, so Lewis, we're talking about sustainability reporting today. Um, CDP scores were released back in January. Um, so let's talk about what some of the pain points um, for this prior year and what are some of the things that organizations can think and, and learn and improve on for this coming year. Sure, yeah, great. Great way to start. Um, start with the pain. <laughs> uh, honestly, the pain points typically are from groups who are uh, still trying to understand the biggest changes to a CDP response. Uh, so this year, probably the categories most groups were asking about were science-based targets, um, continued scope three tracking, which filter into science-based targets, um, renewable energy goals, how their purchases may filter into some of their uh, renewable energy and GHG targets, and then scenario analysis, which is still kind of a, a term that has an asterisk to a lot of people, not really sure what that all means, but um, you know, a lot of that is defined essentially uh, by informing some of your risks, uh, as well as your opportunities as the world continues to warm, climate continues to change, and uh, the research, scientific-based research is out there to help uh, inform some of those, uh, those targets and those decisions uh, in the long term. Yeah, so I know a few years ago, we, uh, to your point around some of the risks and how people are thinking about them, we saw some big changes, um, not last year, but the prior year to the questionnaire, just based on recommendations from, from TCFD or the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, asking organizations really to just be more transparent around how they're managing their risks. Um, and I know that was a big challenge for organizations. Um, what improvements or considerations um, should folks be thinking about um, and are including comparative to prior years? So with TCFD, um, essentially they're grouped into four main pillars, uh, governance, risk management, metrics and targets, and then strategy. And as I mentioned a minute ago, the scenario analysis is typically falling under strategy. But like you said, um, it's more about the transparency. Uh, those categories of governance, risks, and targets, those have always been buzzwords, but TCFD kind of took a separate approach, more with the lens of uh, uh, companies' purchases and the way that they manage finances, as well as stakeholders. Uh, so I would say becoming more familiar with what those asks are and the fact that CDP has essentially integrated CD, uh, TCFD's, uh, not a lot of alphabet soup happening, <laughs> uh, CDP has essentially integrated TCFD's um, 
criteria into their questions to the point where you can literally go through a CDP question and see where the TCFD has influence, do some research, get back to the response. Um, so really just becoming more familiar with that language and verbiage. Um, and, and I think they've done a really good job with how that overlays with the company's uh, operations information that goes into a 10K, um, as well as the overlay of sustainability reporting, which has its own brand of evolution the past several years. Sure. And I know over the, the last two years, they've there's been a big push to pull content together around how folks should be thinking about TCFD. They're working a lot with SASB and, and CDSB to put some of that uh, information together. So hopefully some of those resources are being leveraged by organizations today. Mm-hmm. So switching gears a little bit, so we talked a little bit about CDP in 2019. Um, the new questionnaire for 2020 this year is, is out and available. Um, what questions or topics are gonna be key for responders this, this coming year? So thankfully, I'm sure a lot of <laughs> listeners will be able to confirm there aren't a lot of changes to the climate change questionnaire this year. Um, two years ago is probably when they had the most significant question changes, uh, including market-based responses, um, changes to the, uh, the different ways targets can be listed and whatnot. But this year, uh, to be honest, the questions that have changed the most are really related to uh, sectoral questions, which again, folks listening may have uh, been familiar um, if they were in a specific sector such as uh, food and bev or chemicals. But this year, really, real estate and financial sectors have their turn to answer some more specific questions. And uh, Anna, you actually have spoken with a couple of our clients, uh, done a little bit of research. Um, anything else you can elaborate with those specific questions? Yeah, yeah, there are some big changes this year, um, like you mentioned, for the real estate sector as well as the financial services sector. Um, specifically for real estate, um, I think it's important just to note that buildings are a, a big piece and are responsible for almost 40% of our GHG emissions, which is pretty huge. Um, and we forecasted the increased demand for new buildings and renovate, renovation. So CDP um, for the real estate sector is really asking organizations to start thinking more about building-related carbon emissions. Um, so specifically, you'll, you'll see things around building life cycle emissions, embodied carbon emissions data, um, and really asking organizations to think about how they could push their buildings to be more around net zero uh, and overall investment. So it'll be interesting to see how folks go about collecting and kind of managing and including that in their business strategy. Hmm. Do you see that as uh, also factoring into other companies who obviously operate within buildings or is it more the business owners that are real estate companies? I'm, I'm asking on behalf of us in recent <laughs> conversations of clients looking at their scope three and obviously you can go as far up or as far down as anything. Yeah, there will be impacts, I think, for, for both types of organizations. I think for the specific questions for CDP, it's more going to impact the, the building owners. But again, there will be impacts that we see upstream, downstream uh, for both pieces. Okay, good to know. And then similarly, the financial services sector, that's another uh, sector that we'll see a lot of changes this year. Um, and that's a little bit in line with some of the TCFD recommendations that you had talked about earlier, Lewis, um, where CDP is really asking folks to think more critically about some of their scope three emissions, specifically thinking about their investments. So you'll see a little bit of shift this year um, in terms of scope one and scope two type of emissions or operational emissions and asking organizations to be more transparent around detailed scope three emissions. So again, it'll be interesting to see how financial uh, institutions 
think about that and start collecting some of that data. Yeah, the sectoral questions have definitely been uh, kind of a change uh, from some groups who have historically responded uh, completely compre comprehensively uh, for the response, but um, you know now they might feel a little bit. Uh, focused in terms of, oh, now I have to answer some specific questions, being a little weary of what that means for a competitive, um, the nature of their business, um, how public those questions would be. But as far as we've seen, uh, they may be scored, but um, I don't think there's really any questions being asked that would uh, put companies at risk within their industry. Um, so again, this is all in the name of transparency, but it's also not uh, in the context of putting companies, uh, you know, to make them vulnerable in terms of the sustainability world. Exactly. So we talked a little bit about, you know, data and the different types of data that folks are going to be asked to report for this year. Um, do you have any key recommendations or tools that uh, folks can use with, with uh, some of that additional data reporting that they'll have to do this year? Sure. So whether you're starting off for the first time and getting your inventory together or even you've been doing this for years and uh, there's always some new way to look at uh, your data and there are actually tools from the Greenhouse Gas Protocol um, from the WRI, WBCSD, um, where you can go to their website. They not only have the criteria and the methodology for doing an inventory, but they also have some tools to help you calculate your refrigerants, your uh, scope three, business travel, a couple of other scope three categories and speaking of scope three um, there actually is a, a free tool from uh, Qantas uh, Q-U-A-N-T-I-S that the GHG protocol does endorse and we use this a lot for some scope three um, science-based target screenings and a lot of it can be based on um, product spend you know where a lot of groups actually have that data they may not know what the emissions is but they know how much they're spending on certain things um, and you can essentially use Qantas to quantify those emissions, and those totals are very well uh, within their um, reach of being reported to CDP. Um, I would also say that some of the frameworks, and some that you had mentioned a minute ago, could help align a group's um, sustainability performance with some of the language that CDP is using, such as SASB, uh, Sustainability Accounting uh, Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, um, and those are more references uh, and listing specifically what company within a specific industry should be reporting on. Um, that might be more for groups that are just kind of starting out to get their sense of where they should put their focus and efforts first. But groups like that, SASB or GRI, uh, Global Reporting Initiative, they have some good criteria out there. And given all these changes, and I know you mentioned those might be good resources for folks that are kind of just starting out with sustainability reporting. Are there any other um, considerations, recommendations for folks that may be a little bit newer to sustainability? We've talked a lot about key changes and uh, topics that I see folks that are maybe a bit more advanced in their sustainability program reporting on, but are there recommendations for folks that are kind of getting their feet wet in terms of sustainability disclosures that you would recommend? The two main aspects of CDP reporting have almost always been quantitative data and qualitative data. So if we look at the quantitative data, essentially they're looking for an energy or a greenhouse gas inventory. You may have to slice and dice your data a new way than you had previously, um, but having an accurate and complete inventory, knowing what your scope one and two emissions are, knowing what um, fuels you're using, know how big your footprint is, know where all your sites are. These are 
seemingly simple questions, but uh, once you put pen to paper, it can be um, an incredibly daunting task, knowing which mission factors to use, things like that. Um, I would also say trying to find the right people, uh, because those who write the CDP response or start to collect the inventory are not always the people who have all the spreadsheets or have all the bills for energy. So trying to find the right people within your organization, whether it be building managers, um, you know, some even folks that are contractors uh, who help with that work is a good first pass to collecting your inventory. Um, on the qualitative side, you're talking more about the alignment of TCFD that we mentioned a minute ago. Um, governance, um, risk and opportunities, metrics, things like that. So even understanding what your processes are, uh, know the engagement level that you have with suppliers, with internal groups, um, that is all critical. And I think, again, um, CDP has done a pretty good job of listing out the questions and providing some clarification on what they're really asking for. Um, and honestly, if you're a first-time CDP reporter, there's no shame or harm in going right to the CDP website and seeing what your top competitors are doing, seeing how they scored, seeing um, how they respond to a certain question, what information they're including or not, ex not including. Um, so there are definitely some ways that groups can kind of just start getting the ball rolling. And to be honest, now's the time to do it. Yeah, I think the, the education and the engagement with internal and even external stakeholders is really key for those that are new to sustainability, but even for those that are a little bit further along, um, not even just for CDP, we talked a little bit about science-based targets and scenario analysis, yeah. really having that foundational level of understanding and education across the organization really helps build momentum as you um, start thinking about you know other things that you can start including in your program. Yeah, that education is, uh, is critical. I know we said that there are many new questions for CDP this year, but there's always some new topics um, to ask up and down your supply chain and uh, especially if you don't necessarily have the buy-in from um, your executive team or C-suite folks um, to get them on board and to even show some of our competitors are doing this we really want to update our sustainability report this year or every two years whatever it may be um, that that internal stakeholder and education part is is definitely critical and it's just it's just evolving to be honest absolutely Anything else that folks that maybe are a bit more advanced than reporting, um, I think this this might apply to kind of both categories that we're talking about, but any specific recommendations for folks that you know have been doing this for years, looking to, to drive progress within their program, anything they should be thinking about for this year's reporting? Sure. So there are some things that are usually reserved for groups that have been responding, uh, you know, a few years already. Uh, if you haven't pursued um, third-party inventory verification, that's usually a big one. There's definitely some points around there. Um, and not to be a self-promoter, but to be honest, working with groups like us um, <laughs> who help um, cross the T's and dot the I's, uh, making sure that the response is complete, um, even taking a bit of the load off of your shoulders. Um, I, I love the fact that. Um, our team is kind of seen as a uh, an extension of a lot of groups sustainability program and so if we're uh, able to help with the inventory calculation kind of closing the loop on some of the questions where they may have lost points in the past um, again that's maybe more a a sophisticated level of answering a CDP response, trying to guarantee or kick you up to the next echelon of scoring. Um, but yeah, that's all that really comes to mind. How about you? Anything else uh, that I'm missing? Uh, I would add best practice sharing, which I also think is something that's often overlooked, whether that's, you know, even with your competitors or NGOs and even investors, have just having that conversation, I think is really important, especially as we 
start thinking about things like SBT and scenario analysis that a lot of folks haven't done yet. Understanding and learning um, within your industry group, I think, is a wealth of information that, that often remains untapped for a lot of organizations. Um, and then just thinking outside the box, especially as we think about climate change well into the future, you know, the way that folks are approaching sustainability is, is always changing, um, but really ensuring the broader incorporation or alignment across the business strategy and making sure you're not kind of putting yourself in a box, I think is something people need to keep in mind um, when thinking about climate change and reporting in general. Sure. And um, one thing that's pretty key, again, despite the questions not really changing much, um, you can have a quote unquote canned response and have it there for maybe a year or two. You have the best parts listed. Your governance structure has been defined accurately. Um, but it's always worth to revisit your response and see what has changed to see what additional risks may be out there. You may not realize them yet, but that's kind of why they're called risks. Uh, that may not be the same for others in your industry or other places in the world. Um, we think about a lot of the natural disasters that have taken place globally just in 2019, and uh, we know that some of the listeners have felt that directly, uh, so that might be another way to uh, quantify what the risk means, both from a financial perspective as well as just day-to-day -day operations, personnel that's needed, et cetera. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about climate change specifically. Um, are there any other considerations you'd like to add today uh, in terms of CDP water, forest, or even supply chain that folks should be thinking about? Yeah, so climate change is definitely uh, the heavy hitter. Uh, most of our groups that we work with focus on uh, climate change first, but increasingly water and maybe even the past couple of years more so uh, forest too. Um, so for water, uh, a lot of the same tenets and approaches to climate change data, particularly the inventory, apply to water. Knowing your footprint, knowing what risks you may have if there is drought or uh, flooding in your footprint, um, knowing what types of water you use, what go into the processes, and even uh, understanding what recycled water could mean for your, uh, for your portfolio. There are also tools out there to help understand what some of those risks are. Uh, the World Resources Institute, WRI, has a tool called Aqueduct, which is again free on their website, or the uh, World Wildlife Fund has another one called Water Risk Filter. So these are just go to the website, you know, download a version or create a login and you can plug in your uh, group's portfolio, um, some of your water usage, and some additional uh, screening can be done to identify where you may have some risks that you may not have thought about before. With regard to forest, um, forest is actually relatively familiar or relatively new to me. And so being becoming familiar with some of those uh, topics of chain of custody certification, different certification bodies, uh, different suppliers that may provide you with all the different categories of what forest is asking for. Um, palm oil, timber, soy, uh, and then agriculture. So obviously that encompasses a lot of topics and it may not be relevant to every business, but um, that's gonna continue to grow as well, um, especially with some of the information from Australia and California, some of the massive fires that they've had. Um, we know that there's a lot of agriculture happening in both of those locations, and so uh, CDP wants to know how you're thinking about those potential changes. So, um, you know, it's just something to, Keep in your back pocket, but there's always more um, focus on climate change. Water, I feel water and forests are great behind it. Great. 
Well, thank you for sharing your insights and knowledge around this. This is really helpful, and I think these are great things for organizations to consider as we kick off our 2020 reporting season. Yeah, thanks a lot, Anna, and good luck in the coming year. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Active Energy. We're thankful that you decided to spend some time with us. If you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen, it would be a great help to us. Please also follow us on Twitter. It's at Schneider ESS or on LinkedIn and Facebook by searching Schneider ESS. We have also started a LinkedIn group specifically for listeners of the podcast. It's a great place to interact with peers and continue the conversation from the podcast online. Be sure to look for the Active Energy Podcast LinkedIn group and join today. We'll be back in just a little bit with another episode. Until next time.